Hello, and welcome back to the Pediatric Focus Podcast. I'm Tom Attei. At the 2019 SCUF Conference, the Society for Clinical Ultrasound Fellowships, Dr. Risa E. Lewis, the incoming president, gave us her closing remarks. Dr. Lewis is among the most influential and effective thought leaders in point-of-care ultrasound, and you will find her name or her fingerprints on almost every authoritative paper or guideline in the field. She's a relentless advocate for women in medicine and somehow still finds time to host the Feminem podcast. During her talk, she encouraged the audience to go out and continue to engage with the ultrasound community at large through social media and through podcasting. She recognized some of the amazing podcasts that we have in the POCUS world, like Ultrasound Podcast, 5-Minute Sono, and the Ultrasound Gel Podcast, and challenged us in the audience to go out and create more. And that's how this little podcast got started. On today's episode, we are going way outside of our comfort zone because Dr. Lewis is our co-host. This is a very special joint episode for the Pediatric Focus Podcast and the Feminem Podcast. We sit down with Dr. Almaz Desi, lead author of the article, Point of Care Ultrasound Assessment of Bladder Fullness for Female Patients Awaiting Radiology Performed Transabdominal Pelvic Ultrasound in a Pediatric Emergency Department. This was a randomized controlled trial which was published in the Annals of Emergency Medicine in November of 2018. Hello, and welcome to a joint episode of the Feminem Podcast and the Pediatric Pocus Podcast. I'm Tama Tay. Uh, today, I am joined by my special guest, Dr. Risa Lewis. Tama, with all due respect, that's Risa E. Lewis. So yes, this is the Feminem Podcast, jointing venturing with uh, the Pediatric Pocus Podcast. Take it, Tama. Yes, ma'am. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit of M, a little bit of EM, and a lot about transabdominal pediatric bladder ultrasound. Um, we have a very special guest. Uh, if you would like to introduce yourself, Dr. Desi. Thanks so much for having me, both of you. My name is Almaz Desi or Almaz S. Desi. <laughs> either either's fine, but um, I am an assistant professor in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Columbia in New York, and I attend in the pediatric emergency department here at New York Presbyterian. I'm originally from New York. Um, I did most of my training at Brown in Rhode Island, both medical school and my PEM fellowship. I did my residency at UCSF, Children's Hospital Oakland, and then I came to Columbia for my POCUS fellowship, and I've been here since now. I've been here for two years. That's fantastic. Listeners, some of you may or may not be familiar with SCUF, the Society of Clinical Outbound Fellowships. Uh, at our conference this year, we were talking about podcasts, and I did encourage uh, more of the audience members to go ahead and start podcasts. We don't have to rely on uh, colleagues that are that are hitting it out of the park. Uh, if you have an idea, if you have something you want to put out on the audio waves, go ahead and do it. So I was really pleased to say that Tama took the, the ball, so to speak, and ran with it. Okay, listeners, the frame for today's episode is Journal Club. And specifically, we selected this article because it is first authored by Almaz and also because it was published in the Annals of Emergency Medicine, which has the highest impact factor for emergency medicine journals. Tama, do you want to tell the audience more about the article? Yes. Uh, so the article is titled Point of Care Ultrasound Assessment of Bladder Fullness for Female Patients Awaiting Radiology Performed Transabdominal Pelvic Ultrasound in a Pediatric Emergency Department, a randomized control trial. Uh, essentially, what they were looking at is whether or not uh, we could 
quicker assess uh, patients with a radiology ultrasound if instead of just waiting for them to say that their bladders were full, if we could look with an ultrasound probe to see whether or not their bladders were full. Amaz, can you walk us through the impetus for this study and how you assembled your authors? Sure. Um, So this study, you know, was my PEM fellowship research project. And the way we came up with the idea for this study was really just through kind of wanting to find a practical solution to a very common problem in the pediatric emergency room. Um, We see about... At Brown, where I was at the time, we had about 50 pelvic ultrasounds done per month. And most of these girls would come in with pelvic pain or lower abdominal pain or whatever their complaint was that someone thought we need to rule out ovarian torsion or some other ovarian pathology. And uh, those pelvic ultrasounds are done transabdominally in kids in pediatric hospitals. We don't really do transvaginal unless the patient is pregnant, obviously, because it's invasive and these are kids. Um, And to see the ovaries, the bladder has to be full, right? So you need this full bladder as a good acoustic window to visualize the ovaries. Every girl who comes to the ED with this type of complaint, they get basically from triage, they get their urine sample for UA and pregnancy test. And then the provider says, oh, you need a pelvic ultrasound. Now we have to fill your bladder that you just emptied. And that can take hours is what I found um, clinically on shift. I found, you know, it could take hours for these girls to fill their bladder and it just seemed like it was taking way too long. Um, so kind of anecdotally, sometimes after a couple, giving these girls a couple liters, I would just look on ultrasound to see how their bladder looked, and it looked big and round and humongous and full. And I could even see the ovaries on point-of-care ultrasound. So we thought, hmm, this is an interesting question. Is it possible that point-of-care ultrasound assessment of bladder fullness is more accurate and quicker than the patient's sort of subjective sensation of bladder fullness, which is what we basically go on to send them to get their transabdominal pelvic ultrasound. The the point of care ultrasounds, we assembled a nice team here. Initially, we thought this would be a clinician thing um, because the clinicians are one in the ER, the ones in the ER uh, taking care of these patients. But actually, we realized that this is a pretty easy application and kind of anyone could do it. So I actually trained a team of research assistants. Um, there were nine research assistants involved in the study, and some were you know, our departmental full-time research assistants, and some were just college students who were volunteering. Um, and, and we were able to train them on doing these ladder assessments, which is pretty simple. It's really like, for most people, the first, I know, the first ultrasound POCUS application I learned was fast. I don't know if it, that was the case for you guys. Um, but it's really looking at the pelvic views of the fast two views of the bladder and doing a gross assessment of how the bladder looks. Is it small and kind of squat and kind of triangular or is it round and elliptical and full? And we found that, you know, the full ones that look kind of broadly round and elliptical, we call those full and they could probably go to ultrasound even before they feel like they're full. So just backing up a minute and talking about the methodology. And I think a part of the strength of this study is the methodology because this was a randomized controlled trial. And when we think about quality of literature, I want to say it like that, literature, (laughs) we start with, you know, in emergency medicine and specifically in ultrasound, we have a case report, then a case series, then a retrospective chart review. Then most ultrasound research is in the uh, realm of prospective convenience sample studies, because why? That's when we are conveniently in the emergency department to enroll patients. So the strength of this study is it's a randomized controlled trial. You enrolled female patients aged 8 to 18, 
who required, based on chief complaint history and physical, a transabdominal pelvic ultrasound in the pediatric ED. Um, patients were randomized to either get the usual point of care ultrasound and then assessed every 30 minutes for subjective subjective bladder fullness, which is what you just described, and qualitative bladder fullness by point of care ultrasound. So um, tell us a little bit more about that randomization. Sure. So we we figured the you know, in terms of selecting the research design, we figured, you know, the standard of care is girls go to ultrasound when they feel like they're full. So we wanted to compare something else to the standard of care using POCUS. Um, so basically we, you know, we use some software to randomize these girls. We put them in opaque envelopes and randomly selected them. Um, and they got exactly the same care. So every girl was checked every 30 minutes. Every patient was checked every 30 minutes. They were asked on this zero to four scale, zero being, I don't need to pee at all, at all, at all. And we really use that language. Like, do you need to pee right now? And four was, I really need to pee. I can hardly hold it. Basically. Um, we asked every girl every 30 minutes where they were on that scale, zero, one, two, three, and four. After that, we did a gross assessment transabdominally, just looking at their bladder to see if it looked grossly full. And we used sort of metrics of small, medium, and large based on sort of the general shape and distension of the bladder. Um, so both girls got both of those and both groups. And the endpoint was for the usual care group, they went to radiology for their pelvic ultrasound when they said they were a three or a four on that zero to four scale. So I need to pee or I really need to pee really, really bad. And then for the uh, experimental group, the POCUS group, they went to ultrasound when their bladder looked full on, on point of care ultrasound. Or if um, they said they really need to pee, like they were a four before that, which never happened in the study. But we wanted to make sure we, wanted to make sure we weren't making girls hold their, hold their bladders when they need to go or delaying their care or anything like that. So that was the end point when they went to radiology. And the outcome we were looking at was the time to successful completion of that radiology uh, pelvic ultrasound. So time from when that ultrasound was ordered by the clinician to time that ultrasound was complete. That was the first outcome we looked at. That sounds uh, like a really well-designed study. I think that uh, one of the things that I really like about this one is um, – when you had your research assistants who had a whole spectrum of ultrasound um, knowledge going into the process, whether it was uh, somebody who had fellowship training versus just the college students, um, it really shows that ultrasound can be used by almost anyone with the proper training. Um, how much training did your, um, did your research assistants get? So the research assistants had absolutely no ultrasound training or even clinical experience. They'd never been around anything like this other than just enrolling patients in studies in the ED. Um, so for them, for them, we did a didactic session where I showed them just like you would for anybody else who's new to, ultra, new to ultrasound, the basics of how to use the machine, you know, gain controls, depth controls, and so forth. Um, and then we also gave them some picture examples of these small, medium, and large bladders. Um, and then after that, we just did some hands-on training with them until they felt comfortable, which is basically a couple hours, a few sessions in the ER scanning on random patients in the ED assessing their bladder size. Um, and that was more for standardizing the sort of image acquisition skills. And then we had a few quizzes for them that they could work on where we, we looked at lots of images of bladders and trying to standardize our assessments of what's small, what's medium, what's large. But for the most part, they did between five and 10 
uh, practice scans on patients before they were enrolling in the department. And I supervised them for their first couple of enrollments. Now, the strength of that, what you just described, is a lot of ultrasound research studies have the most experienced providers performing the ultrasound. And then the repeatability is then questioned, well, could you do this at your medical Mm -hmm. center? And a lot of times people are left with a feeling of no, probably not, because you need a lot of experience. And Almaz, what you did with this study is you actually had inexperienced novel ultrasound providers doing the study. And this goes back to the, we all know point of care ultrasound is not rocket science. (laughs) In its simplicity, it's very sophisticated. So nice. Very elegant. Nice, nice, elegant. Yes. Well, thank you. That was one of the things I was very excited about for this study. Um, Sort of the area of research for POCUS that interests me is that sort of taking what we know about ultrasound and making it useful in the emergency department. In this case, in particular, really a useful patient outcome, which is time to diagnosis and time in the department. And anyone can do it. In fact, all of all the people who were enrolling for the study, not a single one had an ultrasound fellowship. So even the PEM attendings who enrolled, there were a couple of those. Um, they had you know some ultrasound experience, but nobody by any means was an expert um, who was enrolling in the study. Now, as we walk through the paper, Table one is our typical demographics, and the two groups were well-matched. I'm going to jump ahead and have us take a look at table two, outcomes of patients in usual care and experimental or point-of-care ultrasound groups. So the basically the groups that said subjectively where they were in terms of bladder fullness and those that actually had a more objective measurement using ultrasound. Um, can you walk us through the results? Sure. So our primary outcome was what we called median fill to done time. And fill to done time uh, was the time from the provider, the MD, uh, ordering the pelvic ultrasound for the patient to the time that the pelvic ultrasound was complete and the study was closed by radiology. So that was our main outcome looking at that time period. And for patients in the usual care group, the median time was 139 minutes. In our POCUS group, who went when when on ultrasound at the bedside, they looked like they were full, it was 88 minutes. So a difference of 52 minutes between the two groups. I was going to say pause, repeat, slow that down, and audience, perk your ears. Amaz, can you repeat that amazing time difference? Sure. So for the usual care group, which is the girls who said they felt full when they felt full, the time to get that study done was 139 minutes. In the POCUS group, where we used our bedside ultrasound to make that assessment, it was 88 minutes. So the difference was 51 minutes between the two groups, so almost an hour. That's just that's just incredible, uh, and I know that the podcast world is a very audible uh, world, and we can't show you images. Uh, but Figure Two has a Kaplan Meyer plot um, that's just just beautiful. And if if I can just describe for the listener at home, uh, at about the ninety minute mark, fifty percent of the POCUS group had already had successful ultrasounds by radiology, as opposed to twenty percent uh, in the usual group, which is about a two and a half times. Uh, of a difference, and that's that's just tremendous. And it looks like it that was uh, what was found throughout uh, your study. Right, we had looked at uh, before the study, sort of what are the average times, and the average times, the mean times were somewhere, you know, around the two hour mark. But what really surprised us with this study is how long 
some of these outliers took to get their study done. So some of these girls in the usual care group, it was hours upon hours upon hours that they were in the emergency department getting leaders upon leaders of fluid and not saying they needed to pee. Um, hmm. So uh, over a third of the girls in the usual care group, it took over three hours for them to get their study done, which is just crazy in the emergency department, especially if you're worried about a patient actually having torsion. Exactly. Um, in terms of, you know, our conclusions, obviously, if done in this way, which was specifically checking patients every half hour, you know, using point of care ultrasound definitely saves time for these girls to get their diagnosis. I will say there was one other outcome we looked at um, that was whether the radiologists were successful in completing that ultrasound on the first attempt. So sometimes we would send girls to radiology who said their bladders were full and they'd actually come back because radiology would say, no, your bladder's not full, we can't see your ovaries. And they'd have to go back a second time. So we wanted to look at that as well. And we found that in the POCUS group where we did the uh, bedside bladder assessments, 100% of those girls, when they went to radiology, the, the radiology study, the transabdominal pelvic ultrasound was done on the first attempt. So what I'm hearing is 100% first pass success with POCUS. Correct. Versus in the usual care group, it was 85%, which is still pretty good. But in terms of moving patients back and forth, calling transport, waiting for radiology, you know, the terms of resources sent, send patients back and forth for their studies. We thought that was a very important outcome as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that uh, you mentioned in your discussion is that uh, it would be difficult, like you said, to go in there every 30 minutes as a practicing provider, um, but that you allude to, uh, it's possible to teach the nurses. And I feel like the way that you've designed this study by using uh, people who have almost no experience with uh, clinical medicine at all um, really demonstrates that this is that's entirely possible. Is that a conversation you guys are having about teaching the nurses to go in there and do assessments with ultrasound? It's definitely a conversation. Um, it hasn't happened yet. In fact, that was sort of my dream study initially, but we couldn't quite get it together for my PEM fellowship. Um, and I definitely think it's possible and it's on my radar in the future as a possible study. Since we already have where I'm at now, which is Columbia, we already have nurses kind of involved with a lot of ultrasound work. They're doing a lot of ultrasound-guided IVs, and there's a movement for, in general, in POCUS for providers other than MDs to be doing studies. Um, and bladder is just a really great one to start with because it's so easy. Um, so it's definitely on our radar for something to do in the future as a follow-up study, looking at it more practically in the ER, especially for nurses who are the ones hanging the bolus each time. You know, when they go in to hang another bolus, can they take a look at the patient's bladder on POCUS and then save the patient some time when they go and do those assessments. I think that would be a very cool study. I would say that this is relevant for many patient populations. Obviously, the group that you studied, very relevant, time-saving, um, really good uh, results. In the main ED, uh, we use this all the time, and uh, hopefully our listeners are under the um, uh, they, they subscribe to the ultrasound first, and why wouldn't you look? Uh, we have elderly men come in all the time uh, with prostate urinary retention, and we look. I had a patient the other day that uh, had baseline dementia, unable to provide a history, uh, had been at an ED, discharged, sent back to a housing facility. The residential facility said, no, she's exactly the same as when we sent her to the first ED, came to our ED. I read in her history 
in the EHR that she had a history of urinary retention. I put the probe on and she was in urinary retention. So uh, ultrasound first, why wouldn't you look? And if I can extend that quick look, why wouldn't you look to the to another pediatric population? It, our febrile neonates, uh, we very frequently get dry calves on them downstairs. And we've known for over a decade that if we just looked with an ultrasound machine, we could tell uh, to a certain degree whether or not we're going to be successful with catheterization. Uh, but, you know, imagining putting uh, a two-week-old through multiple urinary caths, it's, it's just so frustrating to me that we don't do it more. I completely agree. And that is an example of where, you know, teaching other providers, teaching nurses to use ultrasound to assess the bladders of these babies before they do the calf would be very useful. And that there's actually been follow-up studies for Lei Chen's study that you're talking about showing that nurses can do this assessment very well, measure the bladder volume for a baby, and save these babies dry calves. I mean, who wants to do that to a baby? I just want to say how appreciative I am that the idea came to actually do a joint podcast on a Journal Club article, highlight someone who hit it out of the park with a first publication coming out of a fellowship, uh, publishing in the Annals of Emergency Medicine on pediatric, on pediatric emergency medicine, on point of care ultrasound in pediatric emergency medicine. I really appreciate this conversation. And audience, please know that the article, as well as uh, other studies we've referenced, will show up in the show notes. Well, that sounds perfect. Well, thank you all so much for, for being a part of this and taking the time to come and, and talk with us. This was, uh, this was really enlightening for me, and, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really great collaboration between you two, and I'm really excited to be a part of this joint podcast that's really moving things in a very cool direction for emergency medicine. So thank you. And thanks, Dr. Desi.